Do you happen to have a chance cube? I don't, but I do have some dice from Marvel Dice Throne. Coming soon, Marvel Dice Throne is a fast and fun board game for all ages. Each player selects one of eight heroes to face off in a head-to-head battle to see who earns the right to take the throne. Gameplay involves strategically rolling dice to activate special abilities, playing unique hero cards to manipulate results, and upgrading your hero board to power up your stats. The project is currently being crowdfunded on Kickstarter, so head there now to check out their Kickstarter exclusives and reserve your copy today. Hello there. I'm Colleen. <laughs> I'm Anders. And Daniel is still AFK due to work, so it's Anders and me for today. I know. Uh, we miss you. We love you. We miss you, Daniel. Soon. Come back to us soon. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're a group of nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where every week we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the current Star Wars canon and beyond. This week, we are taking a look at the first episode of the newest Disney Plus Star Wars show, Visions. Colleen, are you ready to duel? Mm -hmm. I don't think I have a red lightsaber, but sure, let's go. (laughs) All right, let's get right into it. A couple of details. So this episode, The Duel, uh, the studio for this short was Kamikaze Duga. More on them in just a minute. Uh, It was written by, and I'm really sorry here, I'm going to try and pronounce everybody's name, but if I butcher it, I I am sorry. Uh, Mitsuyasu Saki, and it was directed by Takanubo Mizuno. The Japanese voice cast is led by Masaki Terasoma and Akino Watanabe, with the English dub is led by stars Brian T. and Lucy Liu, uh, both of those pairs playing Ronin and the bandit leader, respectively, and has a runtime about 14 minutes. And as this is a Disney Plus series, really no numbers on box office or anything or expectations. So let's get right into it, Colleen, with a little bit of a plot synopsis. Excellent. A lot of people watched it. That's all we need to know. Yes. We start off in the mountains of the planet Genbara, where Ronin and R5D56, amazing, stop off for some tea. The Sulston shopkeeper warns them to stay hidden when a troop carrier rolls into the village full of stormtrooper bandits. The bandits Those are trying to collect so cool. taxes. Yeah, they do look really cool. Like everything in this episode looks really cool, like highly stylized, very action oriented, amazing. So these guys are trying to collect taxes from the villagers, like big Sheriff of Nottingham vibes here. But the child chief refuses, signaling his own guards to attack. Mm. It seems the troopers are outmatched, but the bandit leader comes out and reveals herself as a Sith with twirling a red lightsaber that she used to make short work of the guards. Sorry, guys. The Ronin steps in and reveals his own force abilities, being mistaken for a Jedi. It's really weird that I don't I really noticed it this time when she stabs, I think it's the Trandoshan, like through the lightsaber doesn't go first on that. It's like the mechanical top of the thing. That is the first thing to stab. Like the lightsabers going through them at that point are kind of overkill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Trandoshan guy. You looked really cool. (laughs) So Ronan pulls out his own katana saber and the duel begins. The two fight through town and down the river when the bandits reveal that they've secured the chief's surrender. The bandit leader demands Ronan's surrender as well in exchange for not harming the women and children of the village. Yeah, sure, we believe you. Mm -hmm. Ronan obliges but activates his beacon to draw (laughs) R5D56 
need five, six to help. The droid rolls into the village, like super rolls in and takes out several of the bandits helping free the people. Chopper would be proud. He makes very so short proud. work with his missiles. <laughs> so proud. Big so, chopper vibes from this guy. Major chopper vibes. All right. Well, so while that's going down back in the village, the bandit leader chases Ronan to a hidden temple underneath a waterfall. Uh, kind of in the mist and in the darkness, she mistakes a Jedi statue for her opponent where Ronan has actually placed his, uh, his katana scabbard auxiliary lightsaber, which allows him to stab her from behind, killing her and willing, winning the duel. Back in the village, Ronan gives the sh- the shopkeeper from the tea shop the leader's, not the lightsaber itself, but the kind of extension that allowed it to break off into mm-hmm. those six twirling blades uh, as a thank you. And before he, before he leaves, the villagers are all kind of like, you must be a Jedi. Like you, and he's like, I am not a Jedi. <laughs> he uses his own lightsaber to remove the kyber crystal from the bandit leader's base lightsaber and is about to put it in what is revealed to be his collection of red sith crystals pretty big collection (laughs) it's a pretty large collection inside his cloak of red sith kyber crystals but instead of adding this new one for whatever reason he decides to give it to the village boy chief uh and tells him it will ward off evil then romanin and r5 walk off into the distance and the short ends Mm. and it was so good amazing (laughs) Speaking of that, let's just get into our overall reactions. I mean, I just thought this thing was beautiful. It was so well animated. It looked so cool. I was talking last week about how this just felt like such a, a fresh breath in the Star Wars universe, but it still fit. Everything mm-hmm. about it still kind of fit. I yeah. think this might have been the most hyped episode of the series going in. That might have twins for sure. This and the twins. Mostly, I think, with this one, because we knew that there was going to be a novel coming along with it. More on that later. Um, But I was just super excited to watch it, and I was blown away. I loved the visual styling of the characters, the choice that he made to kind of have imperfections kind of in the quote-unquote like projection on, so it really looks like an old movie. I'm not sure, like, story-wise, I don't know, I can't really put into words why I just really, really liked it. But I love the fact that Ronan's hair is always moving. <laughs> Even when he's standing still, he's he's just got that fresh breeze going through. Yeah, he's a supermodel. He's always got a fan following him around. Yes, and I just thought that that was just a very nice little, little choice. I don't know that it adds anything to the story, but I loved it. It gives him the hero vibe, even though he's not technically a hero. <laughs> But opposed to the bandit chief, like he definitely is. Yeah, her hair was um, really cool too. I loved her hair. Amazing. The character design in this is so good, so strong. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Fantastic way to open the series. Mm-hmm. Like it really like just kind of power drives you into be like, this is going to be Japanese. This is going to be anime. Be ready. And I'm sure like with that kind of duel, people are going to be very excited about it because one thing Star Wars fans really enjoy, it's duels in Star Wars and ranking yes. duels in Star Wars. <laughs> so I'd say this one is going to be pretty high on people's lists. I had really high hopes for it because of the trailer and it did not disappoint me at all. I thought it was amazing. I like that they chose the style that wasn't typically associated with anime. Like this style is not super anime specific or at least what like non-anime fans would think of as anime 
they're more into like the cartoony, like maybe Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon styles. Yeah. This is super different from that. It's like that more realistically styled, no overly large eyes or exaggerated bodies. They look pretty proportionally correct for human characters. So it's a good way to kind of ease people in to be ready for a more classic anime style later. Like just being like, yo, this is still accessible to you. Even though there might be some giant eyes later, there's some <laughs> normal looking humans to start. And I like that. They're very good. All right, before we move on, we're just going to take a quick ad break to hear about other podcasts from Forgotten Entertainment. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Crackin' One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Okay, next we're going to start in our guiding questions section. We want to start out with the anime studios behind the magic. For this one, it is Kamikaze Doga. They're mainly known for actually making anime openings for shows like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is just as crazy as it sounds as well as commercials and music videos. So these guys aren't necessarily known as an anime studio per se, at least not one of the big ones. They also worked on a 2018 animated feature film, Batman Ninja, which was produced by Warner Brothers. It was interesting, I will say. I have not seen it. So So I randomly found it on HBO Max. I was was just scrolling through like the DC hub and I just Mm -hmm. saw the words Batman Ninja and I was like, cool well i gotta see that <laughs> obviously um <laughs> did you watch visual... the dubbed version yeah because apparently they changed a lot of stuff i don't know well dub. here's the here's the thing about batman ninja visually it was stunningly kind of cool and int- intricate there was a lot going on there i don't think i could tell you a single thing about the plot <laughs> and i mean i watched it within the last year and i don't really remember anything about the plot Decide that it was stylistically beautiful. It was extreme. It was. It was really cool. And I would say, Mm -hmm. I would say, check it out. I just, there's not much more I could tell you about it. It looks amazing, folks. Check it out. (laughs) This studio, I mean, this kind of fits in with that Batman aesthetic too. They pride themselves on meshing CG and traditional 2D animation styles, which I think you could really tell in this short film too for Visions. Like you could tell that certain things were definitely CG. But what, like you said about the production value looking like an older movie, it looked like a traditional animated 2D cartoon. Yeah, it looked very hand-drawn the entire time. Even the CG stuff where mm-hmm. kind of the perspective might have been the only thing that really gave it away. Right, exactly. Even like the twirling of the lightsabers looked like they had drawn it. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to that studio. I hope to see more from them. 
All right, Colleen, you want to tell us a little bit about some of the Japanese cultural influences on this episode? Oh my, yes. <laughs> this is the stuff I like digging into. I love like looking at stuff in the episodes and be like, oh, I know where that's from. First, we're going to start out with Ronin and Samurai. The word Ronin actually means drifter or wanderer in Japanese. So that fits our main character to a T. Like that's what he's doing. He's wandering around. He doesn't have a master. This is someone who can survive without having a permanent place to call home. So he's used to this. This is old hat for him. The term also refers to a samurai with a, without a lord or a master. So Ronan in the duel, who's chosen to leave the Sith, is now his own master, basically. He's no longer beholden to another Sith lord. So he's, no, he's not rule of tooling out here with like anybody else's. According to the Bushido code, though, this is that code of the warrior we talked about in our first episode. When a samurai's master died, they were supposed to commit seppuku, which is a mm-hmm. ritualistic suicide. A warrior who chose to survive rather than kill themselves was said to receive more shame and would look have to look for like a different line of work, like mercenary work, which I, I'm guessing our Ronan probably does on the side yeah. when he's not drinking tea, like just chilling with the villagers. I mean, he does he does offer to uh, fix fix the gonk droid. Yes. In exchange yes. for the tea, because he has no money. That's fair. And I'm sure he has a ton of other skills that he can use. He seems like he's a pretty useful guy. Mm-hmm. He, I think the villagers probably would have let him stay there for longer if they hadn't found out exactly who he was. He does finish the mercenary bounty hunter's job too for them. <laughs> True, those village guards were bounty hunters. <laughs> like they, they were trying their best out there, but they just were not going to they just were not. Well, once the once the uh, once the leader comes out, she's it's over. Yeah. They're not yeah, going to win. It's over. They were and doing they pretty, pretty well. Too. They were, yeah, doing, they were pretty doing pretty well, well before she before she joined the fight. But mm-hmm. no, nope. just you can take out all the stormtroopers you want. Once Vader comes in, you're screwed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just part the part the waves and let the freaking Sith take over. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we also have the katana lightsaber. This thing looks so so cool. So cool. <laughs> So a katana, it's a compound word of kata, or one-sided, and na, blade. So it is a one-sided blade. Uh, While the swords are weapons, they're also regarded as very coveted works of art, which this definitely is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And certain creators, certain swordsmiths are very highly sought after. Uh, This is something that they borrowed for the Kill Bill films. The Bride's Blade is forged by none other than Hattori Hanzo, a very Mm -hmm. famous bladesmith who comes out of retirement because she wants to kill Bill. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'll help you do that. (laughs) Yes. Or looking at some other animated shows in Avatar The Last Airbender, Soka trains under swordsmith Piando. Piando? I I love them. Piando. Piando, who helps him craft his meteorite blade. Best episode in the series. It is my favorite. That was a great episode. <laughs> I got it. So I got into some trouble with some fans when I said that that was the best episode of the series. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> no, but you're not going to. You're not going to. You know, shun me for it. No, because it is an amazing episode. I love Sokka, <laughs> and I love that he got to make his own blade and have his own master. Yes. All right. So quick side note on the katana lightsaber. So if you guys remember last week, I, we, we were kind of speculating a little bit about why it has a scabbard, why it has a sheath. Um, is that just decorative or what? Well, minor potential spoiler for the Ronin novel. Um, I'm about a third of the way through it right now. So if you don't want to hear that, skip ahead like 15 seconds. All right. In the novel, it does mention that the blade is, in fact, broken. 
Now, if that's a mechanical failure, it also kind of implies a little bit of a psychological thing on the Ronin's part as well. Either way, it cannot retract. So it is always out. So instead of actually trying to fix it, he just built this Durasteel scabbard to house it when he's not using it. So that is what that is made of, Durasteel. Oh, also, cool. interesting piece, we've been calling him Ronin throughout the entire piece. It is always, he is always referred to whenever it's written down as the Ronin. So it's not his name. It's just a descri mm -hmm. it's a descriptor. Classic also. Mm -hmm. Speaking of classics, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move into our next section, which is Akira Kurosawa section. For the win, this episode especially, this entire short film is basically an ode to the veteran film director. It's kind of part Seven Samurai, part Yojimbo. The short, like the short leans heavily into Kurosawa's Ronin archetype character, that loner drifter who protects a village from marauders, but would really just like to be left alone. <laughs> like he didn't ask for this. He just rolls in and they're like, you obviously have got some things going on that you can like help us with some stuff. And he's like, I don't want to though. <laughs> I'm so tired. Can I just chill with my dried and have some tea? Uh, one of the next tropes that's very Kurosawa-y are the Marauders with a striking central villain. Just like in The Mandalorian Season 1 Episode Sanctuary, another favorite of ours, this village in the film is under attack by a roving band of pirates. <laughs> Though this group has a much more significant villain. Love her. Yes. Love her so much. The Ronin chooses to protect the village once she spots the villain's signature red blade. Not only does Karu, which is the villain's name, have a Sith lightsaber, she also has that unusual attachment making the blade look like an umbrella, making her look like a little more ladylike. Like she already does. Like she's got the killer heels. She has the great hair. Her style is fantastic. And then she comes up with this freaking parasol. And I'm like, girl, work it. She looks fantastic. Uh, the design could have looked a little silly like even the character design maybe if you saw it flat and it wasn't animated maybe people would think it was silly but the way she moves and wields that saber like makes her really deadly and it makes her threatening yeah like super threatening because the ronin is like that quiet calm demeanor which is like yeah we're kind of afraid of you too but she is menace on a stick like mm girl being able to wield that thing when it's fully extended when it's twirling is insane because that is a that is a long and wide weapon to to wield yeah like crazy get it girl we love you even if you are the villain <laughs> yes now those red blades are in fact one of the only things in color in this entire thing so mm. this most of this film is in black and white and like we said, it has that kind of scratchy, old-fashioned movie screen quality. Like you almost expect to hear the the newsreel guy at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but what colors are actually there? There are blues, there are greens, and predominantly red mm -hmm. throughout all of the kyber crystals in the short are red, and then the the blue and the green kind of highlight the droids, the droids like, LEDs yeah. and some lights in the village. But that's it. Mm -hmm. So, what do you? Colleen, what do you think this aesthetic actually brings to the film? I love the old-fashioned quality of it. It kind of brings you to that long time ago, far, far away thing, where you're just kind of transported to a different time. Even if they had chosen sepia tones instead of like pure black and white, that mm. would have been interesting. Just kind of that old school, this could happen 
could have happened anytime, anywhere in the galaxy. We do have a couple of pinpoints where we can kind of figure out where it is, or at least where it was. But after a certain point in time, this could be any point in the galaxy. Like, yeah. I like that about it. It makes it distinct also from the other shorts. Stylistically. Very much so. And the color choices. I was kind of surprised that they had color other than red. I thought from the preview, from the trailers, that this was only going to have red in it. But then like the little blues popped up and then the lights in the village are green. I was like, okay. So that signifies like the droid is good. The villagers are good. Also, it does kind of, especially with allowing the lights on the droid, it does kind of reinforce the the kind of sci-fi nature to it mm-hmm. that you might lose otherwise. Yes. Like anything that was more technological had color to yeah. it. Yeah. Which was really cool. I don't know. I'm always kind of on the fence because I mean, there's not, there are not that many, but there are films out there that, you know, have been made in quote unquote recent times that are black and white. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually it's like, yeah. Choice. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But why? Like, what does it actually do to enhance the story most of the time? Mm-hmm. And here I can actually kind of see that. I can actually see that yeah. this, this is a choice. This is done to tie it back to those old Kurosawa movies to kind of give it that timeless aspect to it and to really focus, to make it distinct, like you said. So well done, Disney. Yeah, it's it's stunning. We love it. <laughs> I kind of wish some of the other ones have been in black and white now, but I, I don't know which ones I would pick to be in black and white. This one just really stylistically, I think needed to stand out a little more. Mm-hmm. And it was shorter too. So it really needed to like pack a punch in a short amount of time. And I think the very stark black, white, light, dark, evil, good dichotomy they had going there really stark. And a lot of grays. Yes. Oh no, gray Jedi, shh. <laughs> I can't talk about that. <laughs> or gray Sith in this case. Yes. <laughs> okay, next we're gonna talk a little bit about the droids. <laughs> Besides the gonk droid, we also love and stand a gonk droid. The droids were a massive presence in all the short films with one being the main character. We'll cover him in the later episode. How are the feature droids different from the ones we've seen before? And are there any similarities? We already said that R5 (laughs) was a lot like Chopper. He had a little R2 vibe going on as well because he is an astromech droid, but his like, (laughs) his loyalty to his master and his willingness to kill everyone was much more like Chopper. (laughs) I love that he's wearing a hat. I, I love to have this. more oh droids <laughs> in hats. <laughs> this might be one of the strongest images from Visions that I remember is just seeing this little guy rolling with that straw hat. And I was like, sold. I don't need Absolutely. to see anything else. I'm totally <laughs> ready for this. I love it. And like we in other Star Wars, we've seen this kind of droid human team up. It's nothing new, but it was nice to see that a loner character like the Ronin would have a friend. Like most Ronin have like, or like if you're thinking about the Witcher, Geralt has his horse, Roach, yes. and that's his only companion really to start out with. So this is kind of that master and, you know, the droid friend situation. And they're so cute. I love it. It shows that he's not completely cut off from having or cultivating attachments, which is good. Like very good. Well, he's a so Sith. Some, they, they do cultivate attachments. That's true. They but he's also kind of attached. wishing, he thought he was wishing to be a Jedi too. So it's kind of like, does he want it? Does he not want it? 
because he still travels to like human civilization. So it's like he obviously wants to interact with people. I can't Shout comment. Out living in a cave. First, running spoilers. Yeah, don't say anything. I haven't read the book. <laughs> the broken saber is one thing, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to read it on vacation. I promise. Um, I I do. I would have to argue that like some people would say like, well, the droid isn't really his companion because it's not a sentient being. I'm like, well, fuck that. Yes, he is. He's his friend, and that's just fine. They're wrong. Yes. I think without him, the rodent would have had a harder time beating Koru. I think he still might have been able to, but R5 was like his ace in the hole. Yeah. That's why he's like, fix my droid before the teapot like boils because I'm going to need some help. <laughs> oh my gosh. What, did he, what do you think? Was he one of your faves? Because he, I oh, think totally. He was my, Absolutely. My and fave. I think he was my fave, not only chopper energy murdering and yeah droids and hats i love it and i love i love yeah. that style of hat too like i think that if i were to ever find myself kind of in <laughs> a straw hat well no like in the it, it reminds me of the like the fisherman village mm-hmm. and if i were to ever move to kind of an asian place japan vietnam where i that's the type of place i feel like i would have to be like shocking yeah. no one, I want to be close to the water and it just reminds mm-hmm. me of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. As a Minnesotan, I agree there needs to be water close by or I'm not a happy giver. Yeah, but you, you'd be fine with ice. Ugh. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. We are now going to do one of our favorite segments, other Star Wars connections, callbacks, or homages. Uh, I'm going to start us off with the music. There's not a ton of music in this, but when it's there, it's pretty awesome. So the music for this film was by Kenji and I. Um, and to me, it just fit right into like the Star Wars audio lexicon. Like it sounded totally. like absolutely like it belongs. I For me, some Duel of the Fates energy when the fight was going on, yes. some of the more operatic mm-hmm. moments of that score and kind of the slow build of the strings throughout was just really, really cool. Definitely. I loved the music in this episode. Yes. Speaking of, oh, this one's you. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I'm so jumping it's... the gun. I'm just getting excited. I'm talking about Duel of the Fates. <laughs> I know. Speaking of Duel of the Fates energy, when they are on that log kind of floating down the river fighting, it mm-hmm. seems to be a pretty direct nod to Anakin Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith. Although I think this duel was better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't talk about Revenge of the Sith right now. Okay, while Ronan and Koru are fighting, there is a stylized mural of Darth Vader himself in the village background, which is kind of one of our pinpoints in time. We know this is at least during or post Vader. And like, this is a really cool part. This is actually a poster from A New Hope. Like the actual like way back original poster. Old school. Like this is so cool. (laughs) So cool. The next is collecting Kyber. Mm, not good for our Ronin baby. Some general grievous energy coming off of our hero a little bit. Like open up the coat and he's got the goods inside. <laughs> like, oh no, honey. <laughs> One for every Sith that I've killed. Whoopsies. <laughs> That's the type of thing Quinlan Voss would have done. Yes, completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Read Dark Disciple. <laughs> next up, we have the, the I Am Not a Jedi. Now, he is pretty obviously kind of a Sith, but I was just, I'm really excited to to get further into that Ronin novel, uh, because this declaration does sound very much like Ahsoka Tano, one of our faves. 
And her appearance in the Mandalorian episode, The Jedi, has she has a lot of similarities with this story. That kind of lone wanderer drawn mm-hmm. into something. You know, Colleen, you also mentioned The Sanctuary earlier, which has a very similar plot to this film. It works, everyone. Terrified villagers, hero comes in to save them from evil villain. It works. Don't break it. It's fine. <laughs> Next, we have the lightsaber. The bandit leader uses her umbrella-style lightsaber, almost like a helicopter, which gave us some uh, <clears throat> Inquisitors from Rebels vibes. <laughs> I thought it was a much better effect in this short than it was in Rebels. Absolutely. At least it looked scarier. It looked scarier. I think the Rebels Inquisitor blades are fine. It's like a cheat code. So it fits their kind of character model that they're using this kind of cheat code thing. Whereas she has to use skill. It's just the flying that, that takes me out of them. Everything yeah. else with them, the spinning, every, yeah. that, absolutely, I love it. The flying. It's, no, it's the like, flying. Yeah, no. Just, no, stop it. Don't mm-hmm. use the Inquisitor Blades that way. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have aliens. This is Star Wars, and there are a lot of recognizable species that we've seen before throughout the film. Just to name a couple, I know this isn't all of them. There is a Trandoshan, there's a Solistan, there's a Tusken Raider, and there is a Doug. The dog. I love the dog flying in the probe truck. <laughs> Classic, amazing, no notes, more alien bounty hunters, please. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then we have next when the bandit leader stabs at the waterfall with her lightsaber. It's the same sound effect as Maul testing the ray shield barrier against Qui-Gon in the Phantom Menace. And an interesting note, another thing that kind of would put us in where this would be in the timeline, uh, if it were canon, the bandit's armor is made up both of regular stormtrooper from the Empire and some First Order troopers. Mm. So when they're kind of referencing the war, the war, the war, it's possible that they're talking about the one that ends in Rise of Skywalker. All right, next, uh, guys, we are going to talk about our power rankings. Now, last episode, Colleen and I gave our initial power rankings of the nine Visions episodes. Check out our kind of intro episode to hear those. But I thought it might be fun to build our newer rankings as we go to get kind of a better feel for them to do them episode by episode at a time. So since we've only had the duel so far, that is now each of our number one spot. And next time we'll take the episode that we're considering, compare it to the duel, and put it above or below. And then every week, we'll just take that episode, start at the top of the list, and be like, does it go above this one or no? All right, move down. Does it go above this one or no? And once we make the choice, that is the slot. Locked in. (laughs) It is locked in relative to whatever else is there at that point. Makes me very nervous, folks. (laughs) I'm a planner, so I like to plan my power So this should be very interesting once we get going with it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, moving into our final section, our recommendations. I've got two today. I'll start with the very, like, Kurosawa-esque film Zatuichi, which is a 2003, it's a little bit older, film directed, written, and starring Takeshi Kitano. Amazing. Love him. The character of Zatuichi is a blind swordsmith who first appeared in a film in 1962, and he's from a novel collection. He's a popular Ronin character, and in the 2003 film, he's protecting a town from, you guessed it, a band of criminals. (laughs) Doing it while blind, folks, he is blind. The fight choreography is great, and there's a lot of humor, which I really appreciated. Sometimes they get a little overwrought. 
samurai films do. <laughs> Rightly so, some of them should be very serious, but Satoichi actually had some comedy to it, which I really liked. And then for anime, there are a ton of samurai themed animes, most of which I haven't seen. I haven't seen like either the whole way through or I've seen a bit here and there. So for my first anime recommendation, I'm going to suggest Cowboy Bebop. It's a great like quote unquote starter anime with more realistically drawn characters and settings. Plus, I think Star Wars fans would really enjoy it for its colorful cast of bounty hunters in space. There we go. It's a balance of like serious and wacky storylines. Like there's some crazy I mean, shit that happens. I've been watching Killjoys, which is just bounty hunters in space. Oh, yeah. So sure, why not more? Yes. <laughs> it is very Killjoy's flavor. Like it definitely has that kind of overarching, there's crime syndicates and stuff flavor. Mm. So I think a lot of people would really get into this show and it's not a huge time commitment. It's only one season with 26 episodes and then there is one film. So if you've never really watched anime, but you saw Visions were like, hmm, curiosity peaked. I kind of want to dig in a little more or know a little bit more about anime. Definitely try Bebop. And the live action version is going to be coming out soon on Netflix in mid-November. So if you want to try and watch the animated show first, you can. You can probably watch the live action show first if you want, and then do the anime if you liked the live action. I think they're both going to balance each other out really well. Very, very nice. All right. And since I am not an anime person, my anim- my recommendation is very simple. So that Bandit Leader's lightsaber, the second I saw it, and I saw it started twirling, all I could actually think of was the Penguin's Umbrella Arsenal. So I'm going to say go on HBO Max and check out Batman Returns with Danny DeVito. Yes. <laughs> check yes. Flying through Gotham just like she does. Also, I mean, the way she moves kind of got some Catwoman vibes. She's very nimble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And randomly, those enormous high heels for no reason, other than the fact that she's a woman, yeah. so we have to put her in high heels, apparently. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple of those in yeah. visions that we'll talk about for, th- <laughs> for those perspective episodes. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Although this is where we are leaving the duel, it is not the last time we will be discussing this world. Um, we've mentioned it a couple of times throughout. We are, I am in the process. Colleen is about to start at some point uh, reading the novel Ronin, a continuation of this mm-hmm. story by Emma Mako Candon. So at some point this season, we will be doing an episode on the novel. Mm-hmm. But join us again next time as we continue our Vision's journey with Tatooine Rhapsody. <laughs> Very big departure from say, this one. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Very big total departure. <laughs> Record scratch. <laughs> so then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio. I'm sure we're on, we're on all of them. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> yes. And then you can also check out all the offerings of the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we are diving into Star Wars Rebels and into season four. Mm-hmm. And then you can also find mm-hmm. Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. But until next time, catch you later, everybody. Bye, everybody. Katana Blades up. Broken, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>